today the message God needs us to hear. So Maggie, feel free. Good morning. Okay, so raise your hand if you've ever lost your keys. <laughs> all right, you can put your hands down. Well, I'm with all of you guys. Me losing my keys was just on a different level. May 8th of this year, me and a couple of my friends went to Raven Rock for a walk down to the fish traps. If you've ever been to fish traps, you know when it hasn't rained in a while, the water gets really low and you can walk onto the rocks. This was a couple days after it had rained and my friends were asking where the rocks normally are. My car keys were on a wristlet, kind of like this, and it was on my pointer finger, wrapped around my pointer finger, just like that. <laughs> and um, as I pointed to where the rocks normally are, my keys slid off my finger and down into the water. My friend Hayden turned to me and said, Maggie, did you really just drop your keys in the water? while my other friend was standing there with his mouth wide open. <laughs> as soon as it happened, the first person I called was my brother. And if anyone knows my brother, they should have an idea of what his response was when I told him what happened. Well, did you jump in after them? <laughs> after a call to my dad and getting him to bring me my backup set of keys, I finally made it home. But that's not the end of the story. The next day, or, sorry, my dad came up with an idea to use a strong magnet and to go fishing for my keys. The next day, my Aunt Karen and I woke up bright and early to pick the magnet up from my dad and went on a mission to catch my keys out of the river. We got down to the fish traps, and I cast the magnet into the rushing water twice and was pulling nothing out. <laughs> I slid the magnet down the side of the rock on the third try and pulled my keys out of the water. Karen can tell you I screamed so loud she thought I was falling in. Once I got over the shock of finding them, Karen and I stopped on the rock and said a prayer. Amen. It was a miracle that my keys had stayed in the rushing water and didn't end up halfway to Wilmington in the 12 hours I left them there. This proved to me that with God anything is possible. Someone might say, oh, it's just keys. But the fact that I couldn't see in the murky rushing water and was still able to fish my keys out of the river was a miracle, and there's no doubt about that. I'd just like to end with a Bible verse that relates to my story. Mark 10:27. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Thank you. Thank you, Amen. What a story. I was told this story earlier, and I asked Maggie to come and share this story because in it is God's great and wondrous sign. Everything that is done and for the glory of God. God is giving us possibilities to see how his work is underway, and he uses um, incidents and so events like this to show us what God is doing. And there's no doubt um, that with God all things are possible. And it's no coincidence it was on the third try that you found the keys. And, um, and John, um, I tell you the truth, that was pretty smart there. The Lord must have put that in your mind, I guess. Uh, uh, because I never would have thought of that. And uh, it's just amazing how we are able to see in the event of Maggie now, she's attending Appalachian State, and she'll go forward. And I guarantee you, no matter what the challenge may be, 
you'll remember the keys. And when it looks like there's no way it's gonna happen, it's not gonna happen, that job may not unfold, that relationship may not be, that trial of life, it, it may come, you'll remember the keys. Because God has worked this story and now it's part of our story that we'll remember the keys. There's a story found in Mark 10 that talks about this. Now, I was going to hold off a few Sundays, but today I'm going to preach. I'm just going to preach because I got a lot to preach about. I, I just, I've got a lot to preach about. Okay, the story found in Mark 10, the story of the rich young man. Jesus started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know what the commandments. It's a do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And at this, the man, his face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left everything and followed you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, or children, or fields for me and the gospel's sake will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this present age, home, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and field, and with them persecution, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, let us see the possibilities you have placed here in front of us. So many things are murky and dark and get in the way of what the gold is. Lord, let us know that you have made it possible that we can expect the impossible to happen. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. The other night at the Bible study, I coined a new uh, idea, and I'll write a poem about it at some point, but the term is ocean of emotion. The world is an ocean of emotion right now. Emotions that are all-time high in our nation and our world. Families and troubles. Every single day just seems like it gets more impossible to live a good life. The struggles we are undergoing. Many of the ideas that we have held for generations are being challenged. Beliefs that we hold sacred, people now are openly in rebellion about. The church is silent, strangely silent in the midst of this ocean of emotion, afraid to speak the truth of the gospel because it may offend somebody. And Lord have mercy, we don't want to offend anybody. 
Well, here's Jesus doing what Jesus does. Jesus is doing the Jesus thing. He's loving people. He's healing people. He is busy doing God's work. And he's on his way, and then this young man runs up to him. This young man who has heard of Jesus and wants to be a part of this excitement that's going on of this healer, this great teacher who's coming to the land. And he comes and he asks the important question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The perfect question to ask Jesus. What must I do? And Jesus reminded him of the Ten Commandments, the rules that God has given us found in Exodus, the 20th chapter, where God gave us rules to live by. And Jesus said, have you kept these rules? And the young man said, not only have I kept them, I've kept them since I was a boy. In other words, Jesus, I'm a good boy. So what must I do to inherit this eternal life? And Jesus looked at him, and I love this part, because this is the moment of impossibility. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now let me say that again, because we need to hear that again. This is the moment of impossibility. How can Jesus look at us and love us? We're wretched sinners. We're a mess. We're even fighting statues right now. Poor statues don't stand a chance anymore. We're fighting each other. Some man over in Seattle the other day happened to be at the wrong place with his car going to eat lunch with his wife and uh, some mob pulled him out of his car and beat him up and messed his car up because he happened to be at the wrong place and he didn't understand why they were so angry. They were just angry because they're angry. We got people hating on people. How in the world can Jesus love us? We're a miserable lot. We're a wretched lot. There is something wrong with us. What is wrong with us? We have been born in the greatest nation in the history of the world with the most affluence of any generation that's ever been. There's no want, there's no desire that we're not able to do in what God has blessed us with. And here we are with all these blessings and we take it and we fight each other and we hate each other and we beat on each other and we stand against each other. And no, even some boy can even go to a football game with a shirt and a principal end up being released. What is wrong with us? I told you. I told you I was going to flat out preach today because it's got to be. Maybe I sat in the sun too long yesterday and heard that 100, 100, 100. I, I don't have the rhythm of that, Brad. I got to work on that. But I can tell you one thing. Jesus loved this young man. And he loved him so much, he presented to him the impossible as the possible. He said, okay, but there's one thing you haven't done, young man. Take all that you have and go and give it to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And the young man, he got very sad because it says he was very rich. See, Jesus saw him for who he is. Jesus loved him in spite of who he was. Jesus challenged him with the one thing he was holding back. See, God doesn't want 50% of us. He doesn't want just us Sunday by Sunday. He doesn't want 75% of us. He doesn't want 99% of us. He wants 100% of us. He wants us, our body, our mind, and our soul. He wants total commitment, not halfway commitment. Not only on certain day commitment, he wants us to love him as he loves us.
And this young man was holding back. He was holding back because he loved his money more than he loved Jesus. He's holding back and he doesn't know he is hurting himself. We're hurting ourselves. I said, somebody right before church started, I said, you know, Russia don't have to invest another dime into a nuclear missile because we're going to blow each other up ourselves. I've never seen a bunch of people get into a fight. No, well, I have, but uh, <laughs> um, Lord, I've stood in uh, you know, just a trustee meeting in the middle of a fight before trying to break it up, and that's not a good place to be. That's why now in our trustees, I don't do that. If y'all going to argue, I'm just pulling over to the side and sitting with Miss Norma. Because Miss Norma, she'll look at everybody and she'll say, now come on, y'all know better than that. And we hear her. It's like we lost our keys in May. And people just giving up. They're saying, I'll just get another set of keys. They're saying, I, I, I don't want to get in the water. And that was actually pretty good advice, but it was a little bit dangerous. See, we've lost our keys. We've lost something along the way. As a culture, we've lost it. I can tell you what it is. People don't read their Bibles like they should. They don't pray like they should. They don't attend church like they should. They're not nice to each other like they should. We are a sinful generation. I did. I pounded on the pulpit. I'm angry about this. I'm very upset. What is wrong with these people? Everybody has lost sight of what makes us great as a people. We fear God. We'll face a storm and think somehow we can manage a storm and the storm is far bigger. I've been in a hurricane. You can go out there and scream at the wind all you want to, but that wind's stronger than you are. You realize that you are little, like the psalmist said that we read earlier, and our God is great. So here in this scripture, this young man has faced the impossibility He's being asked by Jesus to follow him, and as a re, just a requisite to that, he is to take all that he has and give it to the poor so Jesus can give us all he wants to give us. Because everything we have that is ourself excludes what God would have us hold in our hearts. He wants us to love, and at this the man's face it failed. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said, how hard is it for a rich person to enter into kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. And he even continued and he talked about the eye going through the needle. And he said how hard it's going to be for somebody with great value to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other this question that we asked, how then can anyone be saved? So we've talked about the possibility or the impossibilities of life, how it looks like we're being dealt a bad hand. Hate to tell you children, but you're going to grow up, you're going to pay taxes, your heart's going to hurt, you're going to cry, and one day you're going to die. Oh my God, what did the preacher just say? Oh my Lord. He's just being negative. No, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. That's the way it works. But that's not the whole story. That's what the world will have you believe. The whole story is that God has made it that this isn't the story. This is the beginning of the story. 
The ending of the story is in a far better place where God would have us be, where he is calling us, where things are possible. Now, now I studied your story when I first heard about it, and then you told me about it. And Did you know you were going to find the keys? No. But you believed there was a chance, right? There was possibility. There was a good plan to take a powerful magnet and go and comb in the river to find it. You knew the general proximity, but you knew, too, the water was racing and could have pushed the keys, as you said, halfway to Wilmington beyond. But you went on that glimmer of hope. And apparently, y'all must be a very focused family to pursue something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe the grandfather, he plowed that final row of the field because he weren't going to let the sun go down that he didn't finish the field. It could be that somebody along the way instilled in you that glimmer of hope that you knew things are possible because God has wonderful things in store. When I reworked my theology, when my old theology didn't hold me anymore because my old theology was based on knowledge and understanding and information and I gathered all the data I could and I read everything I could and the more I realized I knew about the world, the less I understood about the world and the more I needed the simple gospel of Jesus the Christ. Accepting Jesus, believing Jesus, hoping in Jesus. And that's not a childish belief. That's a belief of a very mature person, Maggie to believe there's a possibility something may happen. Even though it seems impossible, it became a possibility. And so you came armed with what you needed to have to go and pursue this uh, challenge that was there. And you tried once and you didn't give up. You tried twice and you didn't give up. And on the third try, it happened. And at that moment, you knew not only was God real, you were real because what you didn't know was going to happen, God already had in store. The impossible is happening each and every day. What is wrong with us? It was a category four. It went to a category one and it did hurt us and it did cause trouble, but it could have been far worse. Look at Mexico Beach in Florida where it went from a one to almost a category five, the very opposite of what happened in the poor people in Florida we pray for. See, God is doing amazing things. He's making the impossible happen. But there's a lot of people out there who do not believe it. And they're trying to peddle a belief that's going to bring this nation to its knees. And maybe it needs to be on its knees to know the grace and the love of Jesus the Christ. My grandfather told me that his father and mother were dating back in 1888 and the great Charleston quake happened. My granddaddy lived a long time. And said that the quake happened and said my grandmother was sitting up on the fence when it happened and it shook her off the fence and they decided to get married. And I think she was literally sitting on a split rail fence. I don't think that was a metaphor. I think he was literal about that. And the quake happened and it shook uh, the land and the people showed up at the church. Our sisters and brothers do at church, but how many of them aren't at church today? And they should be. They should be thanking God Almighty. But who are they thanking? They're not thanking the Lord anymore and the Lord's going to remember this and the wrath of the Lord's going to come down on the people. 
America's got some comeuppance to have. It's time that we understand that God is making the impossible happen. And Jesus said and looked at him and said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter, Peter steps in and then he talks about the promise that he has given to us. Peter allows Jesus to say, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brother, or sister, or mother, or father, or children, or field for me in the gospel's sake will fail to receive a hundred times as much. Now we're going to get to how the impossible becomes not just the probable, but the expectation. When's the last time you heard a preacher talk about reward in heaven? I mention it from time to time, but let me tell you about it. You're faithful. You attend church. You give your tithe. You love each other. You're the person that God wants you to be. When you're facing a challenge, you keep trying and letting God work a miracle in your life that you find something you lose. Not only will you receive what you lost, you will gain what you don't have. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Think about it. Think about everything we're going through. A nation born in freedom with a promise, all men are created equal. And here we are now where equality is no longer the favored position. A nation born and blessed by God as the new Israel to be a light to the world and save the world from the tyranny of darkness and the evil that is present and continues to be present. Yet it's a nation that cannot look past its own sin and realize God's grace. And here's the great mystery of this young man. See, the young man did the, he did the first thing right. He went towards Jesus. But the last thing he did was all wrong. He turned away from Jesus. We live in a land that many people have turned away from Jesus. They don't even know or understand the nature of church. That's why they attack us so much. They call us hypocrites. They call us evil. They don't understand us. They think we believe in some fake God and some false teaching. Yet they wonder why their lives fall to pieces and their hearts are broken and they continually stumble on the same stone that's been put in their way and why they never can seem to have the impossible happen. So they go and they buy their raffle tickets and they hope to win the lottery thinking money will make all things possible and they hope that somehow they can have this and have that and be a star on their social network and somehow be vain. But vanity has always failed, people. What is wrong with these people? The reason is they're not looking to Christ. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, when you come to me, not only will I receive you, my Father in heaven will receive you. And he said, not only will he receive you, he will build you your own mansion, your reward in heaven. And that is the impossible becoming the promise. So what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Well, we can sit around and think about it for a while, and we can 
contemplate it and we could try to figure it out and we can hope somehow that we can find a safe place to ride out this storm because at some points it's got to end, we figure. There's got to be hope somewhere. People finally come to their senses and quit being mean to each other and hating on each other and being stubborn like a mule, like my granddaddy would say, like a mule, people as stubborn as mules. My granddaddy had a mule one time that he uh, said was so stubborn and it wouldn't move in the field and he tried everything. He tried coaxing it. He used carrots. He tried everything and finally he just hauled off and hit the mule. Then the mule sat down and didn't get up the whole day. <laughs> and then grandma said from the kitchen, she said, and that mule was smarter than he was. <laughs> Sisters and brothers, what is going to get us to wake up to this truth that we have a job to do? We have a field to tend to. We have a harvest to bring because God is going to bless us. Now, that moment that you found the key, you're swinging the thing, right? You're dipping it in the water. You've already tried twice, and it was empty. Nothing happened. Somebody may have thought you were doing something strange there in the water, swinging that that day. You Pattersons are known to do things like that on occasion, I guess. I only got one part of the church by saying that. I left some of you out. But every one of us have weird ways. But this was smart. And then that third time, did you feel it tugged? Did you feel something? You didn't even feel it because the magnet's so strong. And then you pulled it up and you saw the keys. My Lord, have mercy. That's such a little thing. But it means so much. Because it means you didn't give up. And God didn't give up on you. And that's what you need to know. Yeah, you're going to get older. You're going to work hard. You're going to pay your taxes. You're going to have your heart hurt. You're going to have scars in your life. Things are going to happen. And one day you'll leave this earth. But God has never given up on us. So here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to pick up the ball and run. He wants us to hit the baseball. He wants us to be all that we can be because our God has made the impossible not only possible, but has put a promise with it. Not only is he handing us the future. He's saying it is yours. And in the age to come, he says eternal life. And he says how we're to do it is this way. The first will be last and the last first. Understand that's not talking about the first and last to the trophy. That's talking about the first and last to this world. For the only way you can get to heaven is to turn your back on this world and know that God is greater than this world. I think back to my life and the moments that I've been challenged when I turned it over to God and I trusted God and I believed in God and I said, Lord, you take me and you use me and you let me be who you would have me be. God has always made the miracle happen. We're going to face some challenges as a church in the coming days and weeks and months ahead. We're going to face challenges in our culture because all this angry rhetoric and hatred is going to reap whirlwinds. But no matter where we end up as a people, we will still bow down to Jesus.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may find a thing lost in our lives and know you have placed it where we can find it. Lord, give us the will to do your will. Give us the love to be your love. Lord, we thank you for this story from Maggie, for it's a story that we will not forget of how we must strive to survive and know you are promising not just what we have lost, but you have given us what we find, the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church and its faithfulness. We are here today because we humbly submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.